0: On June 18, 2011, SDCF Executive Director Laura Penn moderated a panel at the 2011 TCG National Theater Conference featuring Gil Cates, Kurt Columbus, Jeffrey Horowitz, Susan Medak, Madeline Puzo, and Julie Taymor to consider the centrality of the director's role in theater. Hello, I'm SDC Director Kathleen Marshall, and you are listening to SDCF Masters of the Stage, This program is produced by the Stage Directors and Choreographers Foundation and presented by the American Theatre Wing. The SDCF has released these archives in an effort to further education regarding the crafts of direction and choreography. Because this program was not initially recorded for the purpose of broadcast, it is not of the highest technical quality. Portions of the conversation may have been edited to improve the overall quality of the broadcast.
1: But I would like to share why this eclectic group has been put together at this specific time and place. They are each very unique and have much in common at the same time. As artists and producers, managing leaders, they've demonstrated a drive, a vision, and an ambition. And they care deeply about the field beyond their own particular work. They each have something important to bring to the conversation about directors. But let me start briefly with Kurt Columbus. He's the AD at Trinity. I recently met Kurt uh, at Arts Advocacy Day in Washington, D.C. this past (coughs) April, and immediately we delved into a conversation about artistic leadership, the joys and the challenges of that. We talked about the vibrancy of Chicago, his work in Trinity, the training of young directors, what it's like for him as an an artistic director to have a conversation over time with an audience. Um, And so between all of that, we thought we got to get together, and so here he is. Jeffrey Horowitz, founding artistic director of Theater for a New Audience. Jeffrey's commitment to dynamic, ambitious directors is well known, I think, by all of us. He has brought to the American theater some of our best talents today. I've long been an admirer of Jeffrey. Um, His eye for talent and his fierce loyalty, really, he stands out in the crowd of uh, producing directors for that. Um, Gil Cates, I met Gil Cates three years ago when I came on to SDC. He has a keen eye for assessing a situation. Uh, he can very quickly guide you through um, a situation. There's a kind of wisdom to Gil Cates that we all can benefit from. Uh, he's got a great view of the field, a director himself, founder of a theater, and a breadth of understanding of the way directors can really make a living and go through television, film, and stage. Um, thanks, Gail, for being here. Uh, Susie Medic, Managing Director of Berkeley representative longtime friend and colleague, a managing leader in the field. Susie has established long-term productive relationships with many directors, both as institutional partners, being artistic directors, but also freelance directors who have long-term relationships with the organizations that she has led. Um, she's deeply interested in the field beyond the moment and beyond her own perspective at Berkeley Rep, an organization that really keeps the artist at the forefront. Julie Tamor, leading theater director, her work has permeated our collective consciousness. She's worked on stages around the world theatrical work, opera, film, commercial, nonprofit. She also works as a designer, as an author, as well as a director and someone with the kind of high profile that brings her own unique perspective to this conversation. Um, Madeline Puzo, Dean of USC. It's been a pleasure during my career um, to have an opportunity to to have collaborated with Madeline as she worked as a creative producer. Um, During her time with Gordon, I saw Madeline work with directors from around the world at many levels in their own career. Complex projects (coughs) that were not fully formed, but, and were very high profile, it seems to me that many directors transitioned from one level to another in their career under the guidance of Madeleine Pouzot. And now, of course, she has leadership at USC. So these are six remarkable people all doing their part in this crazy business, finding their own way to practice their craft and support artists as they grow their own aesthetic. So the conversation today is about the career of a director over a lifetime. We want to talk about how we support these artists in the field, as well as ways we might provide additional support. Our um, hope is to advance the craft, to improve the lives of these central artists, and to strengthen the field as a result of strengthening (coughs) the lives of stage directors. It's a huge topic, a brilliant panel. Rather than allotting time for a Q&A, We will collect some questions if you've got them. If we have time, we'll answer. If we don't, through our own publications and with support of TCG, we'll get answers to questions that you might have. So with that, we're gonna start talking. Um, So the first question um, I have for this group is how do directors grow as individual distinctive artists? How is the field supporting and nurturing and or failing directors, not just emerging artists, but at all levels of the career? Going
2: straight for it. Uh, I'll start.
3: Great. I,
2: I mean, it, it's, the, there's an interesting conundrum both in the question and in the composition of this panel, Laura, because um, for example, I started as an actor Um, found directing by mistake. Um, I began working then as a translator and found that that made my directing better. And then I left directing and became a playwright and then finally came back to directing when I went to Trinity Rep. So, like, over the course of 25 years, I have... Directing has been a, a sometime lover and an often friend. So it's the question is really interesting because I don't know that any I don't know that there's any one way into building a career but the thing that um, that I talk to my students about is you you have to first and foremost have a life and then a life as an artist and then a life as an artist within your discipline so that sort of those are the three steps this is all an answer to your first question. Yeah. How the field is supporting that, it, it, I, not very well, um, because we're still in a 20th century model of commercial-driven uh, thinking. And you know, uh, Ben Cameron, in the 2000, and I believe it was two conference in Milwaukee, if anyone was there, said to us we have to leave a ticket transactional relationship with our audiences and move into a deeper and and more profound relationship. And our institutions then have to have, uh, leave, I think, a transactional relationship with our artists and move into a deeper and more profound relationship with them.
3: I I think that, I wanna go back, I, I agree with what Kurt's just saying because I think the way we're using words, we need to be a lot more precise. I think there are a lot of theater, artistic directors and theaters who feel that they are supporting younger, emerging directors when they give them a job. All they're doing is giving them a job. There's a difference between development and employment. If you hire a director because you're doing the last hot play from off-Broadway and you want that young director to do a nice, clean, well-behaved production, you're just giving them a job. You're not developing an artist. You're not developing a distinctive voice. You are just, he's a, he or she is a functionary of your mission, which is to keep your organization going. I'm not sure that there are many uh, art, uh, theaters other than perhaps theater for a new audience, which I'm very aware of, but I don't know how many other theaters would actually go to an emerging director whose work they're liking and say in effect, what do you want to do? What play do you want to do? And then enter that conversation so that as the producer or artistic director, you know you're, you're, you're the connection to the community. You're the bridge to the community. That's the role. And you find work that will work within your committee, community, but you're also giving a director a chance to be an idio- an idiosyncratic, distinctive artist. I
4: just don't know if many people are doing that anymore, if ever we did. Susan? You know, I, I, actually, I have a different kind of problem with the question, which is that I'm not sure that we have the capacity as a field to function in that organized way. And, you know, in a sense of what does the field do for directors, what does the field do for actors is a very broad statement, but it implies a level of organization that not only do we not have, but I can't imagine us wanting that. Um, as a wanting as a field, that sense of a of a uniformity of approach, a uniformity of plan, a uniformity of opportunity. But there was. A, but a there, time. So, but, there, but it, we were much smaller, and I think that there was more <coughs> of a shared sense of a single aesthetic at well, that time. But
3: there was also there were also national funding organizations that made very specific expectations of subsidized theaters, and one of the things they expected was, first of all, how you paid your artists given the size of the theater. And I know because I sat on one when I was at the taper and I was outside the room, of course, but you could hear the anger. You could feel the anger coming out of, from that room because the taper didn't pay the actors very well. And I, you know, I, I remember going back to Gordon and saying, you know, we're getting, we're getting criticized because we're not paying actors well enough. The reality is, there were, whether it was the Rockefeller, Carnegie Mellon, or the NEA, there were national conversations that, depending what size or what your aesthetic was as a theater, there were those conversations that did put a kind of, create a, a common language about what was expected.
4: Let me go. Let me try it one more time. And then okay. and, and, and then I have okay. an
5: observation. Okay. Let,
4: me, right. let me try to be more clear. I, I think about the difference between TCG as a representation of our field and the American Symphony Orchestra League, or whatever the Sols are <laughs> call
6: themselves. Um,
4: <laughs> and um, and they are orderly, they take training very seriously. They're they, they're really quite remarkable in the in the program they built for if you were a young conductor, this these, these these are the opportunities for you. These are the steps for you to become the conductor of a major symphony. I, I think that, you know, nobody would accuse us of that kind of clarity here, <laughs> but, but I think it's because uh, we, we, there, we see there are so many different tracks that people choose to be on in terms of where they, where they see themselves ultimately within this field, what kind, of, what kind of art they want to produce, what kind of company they do or don't want to participate in, and the developmental structure for each of those and developmental path for each of those I think is quite different. So to, you know, whether there's a fun, I actually think there's a great function for TCG in thinking about how do we support each of those different tracks, but I'm not sure that we as a field could ever agree upon what is the right track for, to support a director or a young director.
5: Uh, I'd like to pick up on that. I think, I think you're right in terms of the issue of uh, uh, what we can do, but we have to look at ourselves, it seems to me, in the context of where we are, the time we're in, and the conditions of the society that we live in. I mean, this is a brutal time. It's a brutal time for the world. It's a brutal time for America. Look at the discourse between the two major parties. Look at the uh, tweeting and the all the stuff that's going on. It's a mess. It's really – we live in a mess. Uh, and um, – it seems to me that the only thing that you can really do when you live in that kind of a mess, and I'm taken back to your terrific picture with uh, Anthony Hopkins, uh, uh, what was his name? Titus. I mean, it's a mess. So Thanks. So the-
6: <laughs>
5: Actually, I happen to love that film. No, I know. But, uh, but, but the point I want to make is, is that it seems to me all you can do as individual directors is to somehow get in a fighting mode and get ready to attack that mess. Uh, I was very friendly with Aliyah Kazan, and uh, he was kind of a mentor to me. And I remember once he published this monograph about what it takes to be a director. And the monograph said, you have to uh, know music and art and history and philosophy, and you have to be able to sing, fly, dance, cheer. I mean, one of these enormous things which actually would be appropriate for any artist. But uh, one evening I said to him, well, if you had to reduce all that to one thing, what is the, what's the one most important ingredient? And uh, Jessica Kubianski is here. Yeah, where are you, Jessica? Right. And I remember discussing this with her uh, two weeks ago. The one ingredient you really need is energy, strength. And, and and if we can somehow encourage the individual director to possess that that strength and that sense of purpose and that unwillingness to be beaten down and that uh, awareness of who that, who that person is, then I think we're doing a wonderful thing because all of us that run theaters, we have the same problem, the same boards, the same financial issues, whether it's going to be a, a commercial play, a real play, a classic, et cetera, et cetera. But it's that uh, what we find in ourselves deep down that we use to, 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 to go out and to compete really that's the most important thing a director has. And if we can find some way to encourage that and keep that burning, I think that would be good.
6: Um, yeah. yeah. I, I can only speak about my experience and how I became a director as I, I don't know how all the other directors. That's One of the things about us is that we don't really know each other's lives. It is, it is an isolated uh, field for us. We don't it's like actors work together, directors are by themselves. And I grew up in a time where I, I actually wanted to be an anthropologist. I was studying religion and literature and but I'd always done theater since I was, I think fifty years ago today, as you know, it might be like a Beatles song, but fifty years ago I, I was playing Hermia in Midsummer Night's Dream in a Summer Camp production. So I started theater really young. But one of the things that I was very lucky is that the time, the La Mama time, the Peter Brooks, that time in the 70s, that was labs. There were labs, and they were very inexpensive. I was on the bottom of a church floor in St. Clements, a theater workshop of Boston, creating theater at age 15 or 16 from scratch. It was the time where the playwright had... Pushed into the background, and you created plays that were from, with Herbert Blau and all that were made from books or diaries or pieces of the news, which I think, and you know, both Jeffrey and I have, the, there's a young woman who's pulling that we both know, who's a young director trying, and her thing is about combining documentary and theater. And what I think we are all talking about here is there's a little bit more of a crossing over that is happening. And as I have, as a director, moved from films to opera to theater, I think young directors are really interested in the mixed mediums. Now one of the other things that happened to me was it wasn't just a La Mama and a theater workshop in Boston where we were encouraged as directors to be creators, not just interpreters, meaning mm-hmm. not just guides of a play that was written, but actually work with actors to develop, which was an incredible playground and learning experience for me but also travel. And I I think that directors need, Americans need to get out of our culture, but directors need to move around. I was part of the Rolex mentor program. I was a mentor to a young director, who I think Jeffrey is going to hire now, who was uh, from Ireland, uh, who actually had the opportunity to watch me in a very fragile uh, creation of an opera, Grendel. She was a theater director. She never had the interest to do opera, but that's what I was doing that year when she was my, the, it's the mentor-protege program. It was unbelievable because she got to see a director working in a very, oh, it was, it was hard because it was an original work. And so she, she, I let myself be exposed to her, and we would talk. And then she went on after that and said, I want to do opera. But what I mean by this is there's different ways that directors' lives need to be enhanced. And I know there's a lot of needs for people just to get electricity and water in this world. So we all take what we do with a a big, fat grain of salt because it's not the most important thing. But we can be important in the lives if we're doing what Gil just said, which is engaging in, in stories, and obviously Shakespeare never gets... I don't think gets dull. You know, I think he's constantly talking about what's going on now. But for a director to have experience outside of the theater, as you said, but also be able to see other directors, see other theaters from other cultures, these are the food of, this is the food that, that really supports a director to come at a text or at an idea with many, many tools. And, I, I, I was very lucky because the Peter Brook, uh, all of that era, Ariana Manushkin, we were all working in that way. So you could work from a pre-written text or you could create it, but there was an enormous enthusiasm for the director to be part of that creation. And uh, I think that, that that is still critical for, for young directors now.
7: I want to um, sort of link with what Julie just said. Um, that That is what I try to do at, at, at the Theatre for New Audience, which is um, uh, I, I will not work with a director unless I can support the tools and the craft and the art of that director directors are many things but they're also storytellers what do they need to tell those stories uh, uh, you know I, I can remember Julie saying to me at uh, uh, some project I don't want to do the project <coughs> for you you can't afford it now that's a very good thing to say you have to know um, what a director needs. You have to go into this mind of this person and this art of this person and say, well, how do you want to tell this story? Or what do you think of the rules of this storytelling are? Or what actors do you need? Or what space do you need? What do you? And that's, for me, the, uh, the very exciting thing. Uh, I don't direct, I produce. So that's, for me, very exciting. I want to know what tools that director needs to develop their art. And that's what turns me on, um, And that's what gets me inspired. And then I'm hearing that and I'm imagining, huh, well that would be a very interesting way to tell that particular play's story. Mm-hmm. Or that would be a very interesting way to attack, I mean, we, we, do, we do existing texts. Um, so I, I, I have an idea of what I think that text is about as directors are talking to me but I'm always going in my mind oh that's how they're going to tell that story that's interesting um that's what I look distinctive is absolutely that's the bottom line I mean if they're not distinctive if a director doesn't want to be distinctive I wouldn't they would have no interest in talking to me I mean they just would not they they would they wouldn't want to talk to me they would want to say well this is what I need Jeff can you do that um uh, what do you think? So I think that, there, I, I think that a producer uh, has a tremendous obligation to a director, tremendous. It's almost like it, it, you are giving, not, I won't use an analogy of a parent and a child, that's wrong, but, but it, yeah. it, 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 you are giving the possibility for that director to have the tools to develop their craft to make the story come alive to tell the story
3: but you're both saying yeah. something very you're both talking about a very particular context and you use it I don't think you really meant to put it quite this way but playwrights were not part of that you use existing texts right. both times no i'm saying in my background, in the, in in the, the background. period now, yeah, that's what i a lot but, of plays
6: yeah that are playwrights i not.
3: understand but but basically the kind of creative energy, interpretive energy that we're talking about, is more often seen when you're using, for want of a better term, the classics, the the plays that already have a performance tradition that allow a director to come in and do a distinctive reading of. Um, Most of the American theater doesn't do that work. Uh, And it seems to me that it's harder for a director to have that kind of distinctive
7: I would actually, disagree with you about that. I think, because we have done plays with, with, with living writers. Uh, I, wait, wait, but, I'm talking new plays. Well, I'm talking about new plays, too. We, new have, place. we have done these. And I think that the relationship between a director and an author, and the director understanding what an author wants creatively, as opposed to literally, is also is a gift, and they also then therefore need certain tools. But uh, for me, uh, whether it's a classic or it's a new work, I, I strongly believe you've got to understand what a director needs but to tell a story.
6: I would say that one of my favorite directors in the entire universe is Simon McBurney. Who does all original work? And the only way that he can do that is by having a company that has the tools physically, and he understands technology, and he has a, a, uh, an ability I don't know if it's subsidized or whatever to experiment.
3: But he also, he this also is, for the most part, creates that work, does he not? As well, he works to, with the author, it, right? It's because writer. he,
2: what but this is re- actually, I think, the big problem. And you asked the question no, what does. can also, the field do? We can encourage communities of artists because that's the thing we don't do in America. I mean, all of the stuff that Julie's talking about, that don't happen no more.
6: That's what, yeah. And Simon will work. You know, he'll have, maybe it'll be the National Theater. I don't know what the format is. But he'll say, I'm interested in doing a thing on uh, math, you know. So they'll help. He'll get a mathematician to come in and then a writer will come and they'll create an, an original play they will do it he won't be the only one it will right. be a collaboration and it's
2: a company of people working right. together toward a goal it's a different
6: approach it's to a, creating theater and definitely and this, is the,
2: this is I think the thing that the field can and should be doing do you know the NEA supports they have a whole program that's called Artists in Communities and I was like Oh, good, they'll give support to my resident company idea. No, no, it's for artists to go visit and be in other communities, right. not in their own right. frickin' community. But, 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 but,
4: but, I, but I have to challenge this, because I... I, I and then I have to
5: challenge okay. the challenge. Great,
4: good,
2: good, good.
7: <laughs>
4: I don't know what theaters we're talking about, because right. I, I think all over this field, there are communities of artists doing exactly what we're talking about doing at if what we're saying is no, is wait, the- wait,
2: let me respond really directly to that, which okay. is I'm talking about the way that TCG and the field fund things. Where are the grants for communities of artists? There are grants for individuals, and a lot of the discussion is about how individuals respond and what individuals do. And I think the great lack in the field is that we don't think collectively. Okay,
5: can I say something?
6: No, I don't can think so. Can I, I just to, get, it's okay. I'll defer, get to I'll oh,
4: defer okay. to, to
5: Gil. No, no, no. Well, I just had two points. One, to go back to Jeff's uh, about not wanting to uh, work with the director unless uh, he can support the director's vision. Of course, the corollary of that, uh, which we employ a lot at, at the Geffen, is to go to a director and to say to the director, look, we have $500,000 for this play. Can you find a way to do it? And uh, uh, directors respond positively to that. They go back and say, how, how can I do it? I mean, the thing says, you know, multi-set, stuff like that. Maybe we can just do it with lights or maybe wh- whatever it is. So I, so I want to say that there's the other part of that that also works. But I, I, have, to, I have to talk about the field. I, I don't feel part of the field uh, uh, in the sense that uh, I run the Geffen Playhouse. We have two stages, a 500-seat theater, a 150-seat theater, uh, we have two plays running, a little commercial. Anyone want to come, please come as our guest. Ken Novice is over there, see him at the door, and uh, you know, and he'll invite you in. But the, 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 the thing is we have a very pragmatic problem. The very pragmatic problem, and I just want to make this point, is that we have our $10 million budget. We have 65% that comes from ticket sales and subscriptions. We have to raise $3.5 million. We have to go to donors, foundations, individuals. I will see you at that door for donations as we exit. And it's not an artistic problem per se. It's, it's, it's an artistic business problem. Uh, I saw a production of, I don't mean to pick on Jessica again, but I saw a, a, a production of Hamlet that Jessica did uh, uh, in Ojai uh, last year. I, I don't think that that show cost a dime. I don't know what it cost, you know, five grand or something like that. It was spectacular. It was spectacular, and uh, we're in conversation now about doing something. But I, I, I come back, uh, and I'm listening to my colleagues here who are who are part of the field. I I come back to to the reliance of the director on their own two feet, their own imagination, their own ambition, their own effort to get something done. And and uh, it, as soon as we, as directors, I know I feel this way, and I know Julie does. We did a show. Where Julie, uh, 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 on one of the Oscar shows, did a number uh, with the burning bed. Oh yeah, right. She forgot it already. I remembered. It was was five hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> but the bottom line of it is, you know, I asked her, you know, what she needed, and it was terrific, and she did it. But you, you, I guess what I'm trying to say is that as we have this discussion, which is great, to avoid the feeling of entitlement to avoid the feeling of directors that somehow, you know, we're being treated badly and we got to get the feel to help us, and and this is not right and that's not right. I know Julie Tamor well enough to know that uh, the experience with La Mama, the experience in New York at that time, was yeasty and fulfilling and was phenomenal. And I also know that if she were born in 2036, she would find a way to become Julie Tamor with what was there at that time. That's the only point I'm making.
4: So, can
1: I go back now, Gil?
5: Yeah.
4: Thank you. <laughs> uh, so, so I, I, I think that, that there is, that what, what we are, there, there's sort of two, when we talk, once again, when we talk about the field, I think that there, there has been a field and there continues to be a group of theaters that work in very similar ways, where we, we have institutional support for a rehearsal process. To a greater or lesser degree, that company provides full and complete support to a group of artists in a rehearsal hall during a specific period of time for a production that will run for a specific amount of time. And we do it better, some companies do it better or worse, some are more supportive than than others, some have associate or young directors in the room with mature directors, but the point being that there's a structure that many of our companies operate within. At the same time, over the last 20 years or so, there's been this, this wealth of exploration about different ways of developing work and that that's happening in parallel. It is also part of this field and it is based in a different kind of artistic dialogue. I think that what many of us have seen is that the, there, there, is a kind, there, there, are, there are opportunities in both of those, but there has actually been a fairly sharp line, dividing line between the two of those to this point. And for me, actually, what I think is exciting about what's happening in the field right now, although I think it has some parallel for <laughs> directors, which I'm interested in talking about, um, is that they have, they have, they have, that dividing line is beginning to shift. Those of us who have worked in institutional companies who, um, who love the resources that we can provide to artists and the, what we think of as a kind of dignity that we try to offer artists by providing them resources and time, et cetera, also feel some of the frustration of the limitations of that structure. And it's not altogether surprising to me that a lot of those companies are inviting artists who work in very different ways to come and be resident with them. A number of us are exploring how do we do that, how do we make it possible for a Rude to be in our space for six or eight or ten weeks making the kind of work that they make because we think that it will change the way we make the work that we make. And um, so I, 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 think that, I think that that notion of sort of how do you uh, uh, what, what is the field's responsibility <gasps> right. to a director in part has to do with how does the field respond to what directors need at any given time. Right. But I right. think our larger issue is how does our field respond to the work itself. And one of the things that I think is a little bit daunting, and if I were a director, I would find daunting at this moment, is that I think that, um, I think that we, we have had a period of time where the primary voice of a piece of theater was very often emerging out of the, the aesthetic of a director that there was a real strong sense that, you know, that the choice for the piece had to do with the director, that the voice of the piece was really the director's voice over the, the writer's voice. And I, I have this feeling that we've moved into a period of time in which the director actually does have less of a voice.
2: Um, or, or is one of Coney's Or is works. one of a collaborative right. voices. Right.
4: And I don't know what that means for people who are here in the room wanting to know what is the place for them in the field right now. But I think that we're at a watershed moment.
3: Can I, can I, I want to go, if I may, I'd like to go back to Simon McBurney because I think that's an interesting career to look at, as is another British director's Declan Donnellan. And the reality is these are very, these are mature directors now. They have very distinctive artistic voices and aesthetics. But they started really almost like choreographers, in that they had what they would call a company, which was usually themselves and a designer, or themselves and a producer, and they would create a piece with a loose collection of artists that may or may not be in the next piece. And eventually, as and they were being funded to do this work by the British Council, but they were being funded as a company, but really as a company with an individual aesthetic. They are now, of course, being hired by the National, by the English uh-huh. National Opera, by all sorts uh-huh. of, but their early days, and I think this is where I'm going back, what do we do with the younger artists in their late 20s, early 30s, before they're established enough for Berkeley Rep to want to invite them in or for Jeffrey Horowitz to want to support them? And that's the gap that I'm most concerned about because there seems to be a really serious gap. And I'm, as I said to Laura when she asked me to sit here, I honestly don't know what's going on. I've been stuck at a university for eight years, so I don't know what, what is being hap- what is happening for younger directors. I know years ago, and I mourn the loss of it, when New York Theatre Workshop used to have the Emerging Directors Festival, where Jeannie uh, Passante would literally say to a number of young directors who her theatre had decided... Um, they wanted to support, they'd say what, what play do you want to do within their very limited resources, they would find a way of doing it. And people who went through this are now among the leaders of our field. And whereas I'm not sure that it was such I think, I think they were paper choices. I do not think that they were choices that Jeannie actually saw the work. But what I'm certain of because of a program we had at the Guthrie that was a, not quite comparable we gave young directors a two-year residency, and then they, could, they would do a production of a verse play with our company. And it had to be a verse play, and it had to be with our company, and it was in our lab, and it was for 50 bucks. I mean, there was no budget. But again, at some point in a director's career, somebody said to them, you know, you're on the right path. Whether it's a funding group, whether it's a producer, and... And
4: then they become But that implies companies. that we have well, to be the ones to validate them. And I don't know that that's the case.
3: I'm not saying it's you. I'm just saying we're talking say something, something big. I don't yeah. know, but I don't think, because I also saw a very talented director become a lawyer when they didn't get oh, that validation. That no, no, I'm serious. One, at, what point, at what point does somebody need to be told you're on the right path?
1: Well, and what, I mean, one of the questions I had was that, that building a career as a director is kind of a lifelong commitment, and much of what you do to develop that career is invisible to most people, um, but there there does seem to be moments that you can identify through the rearview mirror where something happened. Someone witnessed, someone gave an opportunity, you shoved you know yourself through the door. The you know the producer reached out. Whatever it was, um, and and what are those moments? I do think this question of lab of R and D. If we get one request at the foundation more often than any, it's can't can't we have something like that? That it's that
5: that whatever those were in the past don't exist in the same way. I just want to make a point. Jesus, I, I don't mean to be a curmudgeon about it, but. You know, as as directors, if you want a lab, create a lab.
6: No, you can't do that. Well, you yes, you can. can. Oh, no. no, I disagree. No, you I need dis- to. You need you to. Know, Los, get Los
5: Angeles. no, hold on, hold on. <laughs> yes, you can, and no, you don't have to. I mean, both exist simultaneously. Uh, there are lots of directors I know here, right here in Los Angeles, that have gotten together. Uh, 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 a guy named Mark Kemble, for example. There are guys who and uh, women. Have friends, and they say, "Look, let's work, let's work, let's do this, let's do that, let's do it, start it." In other words, I, 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 what makes me nervous? See, I don't know what the purpose of this panel is. In the sense that, in the sense that, if the purpose of the panel is to discuss a director's career and what directors can do to advance their career, I'm all for that. If the purpose of the panel is to discuss What we, as people who run theaters or as directors, can do to help directors, okay, I'm all for that. But we seem to be going back and forth, at least I seem to be going back and forth between those two things. I'm all for the empowerment of directors. I'm all for directors getting off their ass, getting a couple of actors together, renting a storefront, meeting after they work, and going to work. Now, I'm also for helping them. We do that at the Geffen, and I'm also for the fact of, In this society that we live in. Look at at, uh, 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 War Horse. War Horse was started in England, obviously, the National Theatre Company. Can you imagine going to anybody, Bernie Gersten, anybody in this country that produces shows and says, look, I have a great, 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 great play for you. It's 80 people. There's no singing. There's no dancing. Oh, yes, it's about a horse. And it's about a horse who joins World War Two and we follow the horse and the kid who walks the horse, et They think you're fucking nuts. <laughs> and uh, they have they have that in England. They have the National Theatre. They have it in Belgium. They have the they, the, the they 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 have the feeling for it, and you know. Uh, in France in terms of the culture there. We sadly don't. We we, we don't. It doesn't So it, I just but want that's to the know point. But that's what can it, we're saying. Can yeah. be
6: both I yes. think that's what I we're it, saying. Yes, I, yes, I, yes, I think yes, it's, it's not, not can one. I, can I can think it's, can it's not just for a second. Yeah. It's not about going after work and getting together with a group of actors. The kind of training it takes to do the, the puppetry in War Horse, because War Horse is about puppetry in the yes. spring and, and the right. spring, yeah. spring. Yeah, from and South spring. Africa. Yeah. And it was about, yes, the national or whoever put those things together, but it's not about the play as yeah. such. It was about the concept. But to do the kind of work on the level of the Simon McBurney or Robert Lepage or, you know, these kinds of directors or Manushkin, it takes a full-time commitment. Uh, it, you cannot have people who are coming after Now, that's not to say Any kid who's got an idea can't get up and get a group of people and start his own. That will happen. You're right. Regardless, things will happen if you have a will to do it. But if there is a a place that gives you a a forum for it, it will happen better and it will allow them to have – What what I always feel frustrated about as a director is when I cannot get actors who all have the same ability to comprehend a style. Mm -hmm. And, and, And this is a very difficult thing because my favorite theater that I see... I look at those performers, and they can move, and they understand the power of the body with the words, with the language. And that takes not just training in school, because you can start that in school, but it is about a company and a place and a director where you are working on a a piece of work, and you're discovering, and sometimes that will take a year, sometimes it will take a year and a half. No, I have been approached by companies like Jeffries or or, um, uh, Carrie Perloff just yesterday, just come out. And just work. You don't even have to produce. You know, there's it, what, what I think is very, you don't have to have a result. See, we're very result-oriented. And result-oriented is very tricky when you're trying to develop a new form. And directors, how, now let's get back to your big question, because how does a director survive in the business? Well, clearly, I'm lucky because I have one hit. what well, maybe two. Who knows? But I have one hit. <laughs> <laughs> Don't <laughs> know no, yet. We'll see. And then, you know, yeah. and then whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, uh, but it allows me to, to go and, and do any, anything else that I want to do, like a Shakespeare movie that clearly is not about box office. You know, when, when we do movies like that, we do them because we want to do a Shakespeare movie, not because we think it's going to make a lot of money or even any money. It's about doing a Shakespeare movie. I am lucky, but I, as a director, do what many directors want to do, and this is something that we have to be, they want to move between mediums. I don't know any director who wouldn't want to be able to go and do theater out in whatever region or where they're from or not-for-profit and then be able to move into television or to film and back again. That would be an incredible, I, I, I would feel sad if they just moved away and never came back to theater. I mean, that, that, would, be a, that would be too bad. But so therefore, wh- what do you offer What does theater offer a director who wants to move that no other medium can? And that is important to see because if you're just going to be doing straight plays that that actually, you know, the same actors do TV or this and that, but there's not a whole lot of difference, um, I don't know. They might just move into television because it's very hard to make a living. So what I feel is, and why I keep going back to theater, whatever level it might be, is because there's something that is inherently special that you cannot do in another medium. And we must keep doing that. And I love play. I love Jerusalem. I love plays that are... That are, that are just about the script or start from the script. But even in that, even in all of these plays, the way that you do it in the theater, it should be very different than the way that you do it on television or film. And that has to do with directors working with performers in a way to say, okay, what does theater do best? How are we gonna tell this story? What does that mean? And I, I do agree that, I don't know if, if you said it, there was a time where there was much more emphasis upon trying to discover what that is. Um, We've gone into reality TV, reality theater, reality, you know, that there is a, that, and plus which with this desire to be frugal and that that is the best, not just because we have to, but because it's a, it's a um, virtue. Um, the, the, the idea really of how do you use everything that the theater can give you, and that's not about budget. That's just everything the theater, dimension, space, and allowing, giving an environment. Uh, to do that. I don't think that can happen just by let's get together kids after school. I think it really does. I had that from many theaters. I had that opportunity and I feel it's very critical that even if, you're, if part of the, the, the regional theater is to do um, a number of plays that are driven by the playwright and you do this, there should always be a play or a time where it is incredibly experimental without, without results that are necessary. Um. One of the conversations I've had with <laughs> one of
1: the, the conversations I've had with directors, artistic directors, um, is in the in the mid-career. We've got to find a better established, whatever it is, the working director, the working freelance director who's traveling around the country and doing five to six shows a year because they're good and people hire them. Um, but they're doing five to six shows a year and they're kind of coming in, doing the show and leaving, um, and the work's good, but. The rigor the, 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 the depth of exploration that maybe once was possible um, once was encouraged um, is is not there in the way that that the, as artistic directors they'd like to provide or as freelance artists they'd like to have encouraged that it's that it's a, a practitioner kind of experience. Um, as much as it, it, and less frequently, is it an artistic exploration?
4: Mm-hmm. Does
1: that make sense? Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, I think it's a challenge. And they've
2: got to make a living. I'm sorry so, to be like ringing the same bell, but these are all connected to the fact that if you're always auditioning for your next goddamn job, yeah. you're never going to do the Hello. job that's in front of you. And it's and that has to do with. You know, everything that Julie's talking about is this long-term relationship with a community of artists who then over time can go, wow, we really messed that one up. Uh, What do we (laughs) learn from that? What do we take from that? And how do we risk on the next one? Which you can't do with a room full of strangers who might be giving you your next job or might think you're a jerk and never hire you again. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's really hard, and this is, this is why I hark on this same thing. Very few producers like Jeffrey, who produced this, I mean, I'm, I'm, now I'm Papa bragging, but who produced this brilliant cymbaline that our graduates from Brown Trinity did at, at um, Theater for New Audiences, and it's a collaborative group. There are two directors, there are six actors, they play all the roles in Cymbeline, they have one box and a piece of cloth, and they play all the instruments, they sing, and it's communally developed. So this is to Susie's point, and to Julie's point, and to Patlin's point, there's a whole new way of doing this now that doesn't seem to be supported by the structure of the regional theater model. And that's the, that's the real lack in what's the next 50 years for directors I,
4: and I think it's beginning to happen I think it's agree. infiltrating I and mean, I think about the fact that we're building a complex right I now agree. that is going to have multiple rehearsal halls and artist housing purely so that we can say to people come and be here
6: That's
4: right. You know, and, and, and work in the way that you need to work with the resources that we can provide you and we may mount it we may not you may find you've got something that you want mounted you may find that you don't but I, I don't think, you know, I'd love to say Berkeley Rep, we're way out there ahead of everybody else. I just think we're part of what is happening because well, we are all realizing that, 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 that that's – yesterday Todd used that wonderful quote from Zelda yeah. about how what, what the idea of these companies was a great organizational idea. Yeah. The question now is how do we, how do we make the, those, the, those structures flexible enough – so that they can be adapted to what people need, as opposed to just what, what, the, not just what the institution needs, but what, what, what preserves the entity of the institution. But 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 can we go, I, I, Jeffrey? Go
3: ahead, please. There no, you go. Okay. I, I, you, you quoted Zelda, who you know was one of the founding directors, and I think one of the great thinkers about theater, you know, certainly of my lifetime. Um, these organizations were once founded primarily to form companies—companies yeah. companies of actors, companies of directors—who were first, you know, first addressing established texts and then bringing in the writer, but creating, if you will, an aesthetic that spoke to a community. Um, I actually started at the taper when we still talked about developing playwrights. And I was there when we shifted to the language, and the language shift was subtle but profound. We stopped developing playwrights. We started developing plays. We went from developing and investing in artists to investing in product. That is a profound shift in the American theater. And I think, and you know, it's—I think it's great that that regional theaters. And I'd love to know who other than Berkeley Rep is is moving in this direction. Because now I train young artists. That's what my mission is at USC. And I loved listening to the fellow talking about destroy, you know, abolishing all the BFA's. The BFA's only existed because the field, whether it's community theater, whether it was summer stock, whether it was Shakespeare Festival, whether it was Lord theaters. Theater used to mentor its future artists. You got a job. You were 18. You were David Dukes at 19, working at Los Gatos Shakespeare Festival. You held a spear. Next year, you got a line. By the time you were 28, you were playing young leads. We mentored our, our future artists. One of the great things about working with Gordon Davidson was his instinct for mentorship. And he, you know, he gave all sorts of people jobs maybe not productions, but he gave them jobs, so that they could keep growing. I think, I, I'm sure all the regional theaters still do that. Yeah, we do. I'm sure of that. But are we in any way, and you say some of you are, some of us are, what, what are we doing for, again, the kid who leaves the MFA in directing, Goes out for a couple of years, and I don't mean the I don't mean the Geffen or Berkeley rep, but I mean a big we. But this, what do they do? How do they How
4: do they survive? This, this pan, I have to say, I, this this panel keeps sitting here and looking at us and looking at all of you, and we we are not reflective of what's happening out there. Hello. First of all, let's but 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 it's it's not only because it's a panel that was that was with a with very forward thinking put together by the union that represents directors who work in a certain way um, inviting people who I, are a great cross section of people who more or less work in a certain way and and if we look at what our field is now, this is a tiny, tiny portion of our field. And there are hundreds of people at this conference who are finding ways to work in collaboration with other groups of like-minded artists who are, who are developing what many of us feel is, is fantastically interesting, provocative, high-quality, well-crafted work. And they're, they're figuring... They, I would argue that that it's it's not for us to be validating or providing the the only place or what is perceived to be the final, the pinnacle place for their work to to be seen and done, that there are people who are doing exactly actually what Gil was talking about at their own level. And they're working in the way that you work, Julie, I think, when you, you, know, when you talk about, uh, about your starting. But they're doing it on their own terms. And I, I sort of feel like we're talking about it on well, our terms. But we also
3: represent, if I may say, um, and I'll include myself since I worked at the Guthrie and the Taper until I be, went over to becoming a dean, we also represent profoundly, deeply funded institutions, even if it is less than it used to be. And I do think profoundly, deeply funded institutions, have a responsibility. I don't see it as validation, but I do see it as development.
5: Well, can I just jump on that? Uh, uh, I I think that, you know, it's like the old rabbi story. Everybody's right Um, in the sense that uh, at our theater, we uh, commission plays all the time, and we we have relationships with young playwrights that we have been working with all through their career, and we do all this stuff, and uh, and I don 't quite understand what our focus is here as a panel, in the sense that no, in the sense that I agree with Julie that, yes, this training is, is vital, if it 's funded, you know, I would love to be part of a theater that did that. I just don 't know how to do it in the sense that I don 't have any resources really to do it with. So I I came in here under a. uh, uh, I I was misguided. Uh, uh, I think all of you. I am sitting in this chair because my understanding was what we were here to discuss was uh, how, how by dint of our collective experience, we could offer something to uh, mid career directors that would give them. A thought as to how to continue and how to how to move on with their career, so so uh, I mean all this stuff is good, but when you're out there and you're trying to be uh, you know to develop as an artist on the one hand, and as Julie said, you're trying to pay for the rent and electricity on the other hand, uh, and you don't have an agent or you do have an agent, how do you do that? How do you? How do you march on? I mean, is that what I? Well, and,
1: is? Uh, well, that that is on the list. So you were really, really misguided. I'm going to take a little nod here. You tell me. <laughs> how <laughs> how, <laughs> no, and that was my point okay. about the the established working director who is, you know, trying desperately to keep a life going, doing five to six projects all around the country, coming in and out, not necessarily growing as an artist. Um, being sometimes perceived by artistic directors to not have the rigor and the inspiration that they'd like to see. But they're not in a position, frankly, to go you know, develop their work in a basement with a bunch of kids because yeah. they maybe a- actually have to feed their kids. Right. And so <laughs> this amazing. group of artists are not, a- not able to advance in the way that the field is structured right now artistically or personally. And so we may we may lose them. They may become lawyers. Or we may lose them to film or television. But how, how do we how do we answer that question that you think you're here to answer? Do, do, do.
5: Well, as I told you on the phone, I don't have an answer to it. So I, guess <laughs> that the, I guess that solves the whole problem. But it
1: is a dynamic, it and is. it's a confusing one when we start talking about the fact that the work's being made differently and that it may not be as... Director driven as it's been in the past. So, the combination of all that makes it very difficult once you're in to stay in and to thrive.
2: But there, I mean, and I really want to hear what Jeffrey has to say because he's been raising his hand for like 20 minutes. And so, I, I don't want to, oh, but, but the problem I think for mid career directors, the ones that I know who are successful are ones who have committed to communities of artists. Mm. Sorry to say it again. But that I think the problem is um, the model where you get an agent and you work regionally is breaking down and it's being replaced by something else. So the people that I know who are mid-career directors are the ones who make a place for themselves and then make a community of artists around themselves and then go make that work other places and go see work in Europe and all over. Um, Those are the ones that I know who are mid-career and successful. A direct answer to your very direct question. And how do you get there? How do you do that? I I think you... uh, Personally, I think you stop worrying about your career and start worrying about your life. I,
5: I just... But, but that's good. Take that a step further. I mean, what do you do? You're 45 years old or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, 47. Uh, f- <laughs> no, I didn't mean you. No, were, no, no. But but d- I mean, that's... And what do you do? How do you do that? You, 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 uh, you go to a place or you find in the place where you live, I mean, like-minded I mean, I grew up as an artist in the, in the Chicago
2: theater community, so Chicago great was community. always yeah. about... Great community. ...about the community of people and, and um, my early mentors always said to me, don't think about yourself, think about the people that are around you and how you move everyone forward, right? And so they said that to me right from the beginning and I've just never operated any other way. And I, I look around at my colleagues who are, who are truly age peers and they're working in similar ways in other places. Um, I came to it very fortunately because I had the, I mean, as as Laura said, I had the right mentors early on who told me things that that didn't have to do with me but had to do with us. And so I, I I mean, on a philosophical level, the way to move the ball forward is to move away from me and toward us. And you do
5: that by getting a job or
2: by... I I think you do that by finding where you want to live and finding the community of people you want to work with. I have friends, um, uh, uh, Brian Murtis and Melissa Kieveman, um, a million people know them here, and every summer they make work at Lake Lucille in New York. And it's like like a Grateful Dead concert (laughs) coming together around a Chekhov play. And their work is so extraordinary um, and unique And they have communities of artists that they build all the time everywhere, and now they're running our directing program, so I feel good about that. But but they've always been these people that
5: collect people around them. I I, I guess the the point that I'm making in asking you that question is that uh, what what I like about your answer and what I feel uh, empathetic to, uh, because it speaks to me, is that there's a certain self-determination in that, and there's a certain... uh, Willingness to uh, go out and make something happen as distinct from waiting for someone to give you the opportunity to make it happen. Totally. And for me, that is the one distinct quality that I always look for in artists with whom I work. Someone who really wants to make something happen, has that energy and and that desire to do that. Uh, As opposed, you know, I always used to laugh. Uh, when, when I started a long time ago you, you divided actors into uh, deliberative actors or uh, you know, uh, Stanislavski actors and it was always the question of an actor coming to you in the middle of a rehearsal and saying to you metaphorically I'm a vessel, fill me right. and uh, my reaction to that was always, you know, that's deplorable yeah. <laughs> <You> know? go <laughs> fill yourself yeah. oh, come, yeah. on, let's and come let's talk so I think that's a terrific, terrific uh, point that you made
1: Jeffrey, did you have something?
5: Uh, well, I wish there
7: were a lot of things that are being said. I was just trying to synthesize them. Um, in, in regards to what Gil was just saying, I, I, of course, um, you want to work with people who have a will to determine something. Um, uh, in regards to what you're saying and what Susie was saying, you know, at Theatre for New Audience we—it's um, hard to do this. This takes. There's no earned income attached to it. You just have, we raise money uh, and we create workshops. We call them actor and director workshops and we'll invite um, uh, all, mostly young directors, although they could be young in the sense they haven't worked in this particular art form. And what we'll do is we'll bring a mentor artist in. It could be Peter Brook. It could be a woman named Lee Barry from the Royal Shakespeare Company. It's Pure process, seven, five, six, seven directors and a company of actors um, will just all work together no end in sight um, what, what are they going to discover uh, in the, in the Barry workshop there's one very very specific goal how, do the act, how does the director work with the actor about the language of Shakespeare how, how do they both enter into that what is the structure of the language it's very precise but anyway it's a workshop and it's about a mentor and it's a workshop and it's open-ended. So we, we, I think that's very important to provide that. I think that from that, communities come out. People meet people in a non-competitive situation and I, I find that very healthy. Sometimes directors come out of that who then go on and, and reproduce, although the workshop isn't designed to be an audition. Uh, but I, I do think self-determination some form, as Julie was saying and, and Kurt was saying, of providing a place where people can find a community and develop is essential um, for a theater to help directors
2: develop. And, and also a space to fail, yeah. which is what you're doing, yeah, right. too, which, which as institutions we're really bad at, providing a space for directors to fail.
7: But, but it's very hard because there's no earned broken. income. There's no earned income. And it's very, very hard to find philanthropy that says so. You're going. It's, a, it's
2: pure R&D. Yeah, where you say where you say it's. Pure. We really want uh, people to get in a room together to fail. And the thing about a play. That? The thing about that's right. And the thing about a
7: play when you're working on a play is that a play is a quantifiable thing. That well maybe that will go on to be produced someplace. Mm-hmm. Much harder to do this. And I I know I talk to people about this who could give money and I. Sometimes our eyes glaze over. It, it sounds like navel-gazing. But, you know, in fact, you have to gaze at your nave. That's it, right?
1: Well, And a director can't work alone. No. By the very nature of their... Yeah.
4: You know, I, I was thinking before, you know, when I was brushing my teeth this morning, about how, how I could be in any way helpful in this group. And I assumed that there would be a lot of people in the room who were saying, well, I, I'm a director. I'd love to work at a company like yours. How do I do it? Uh, and I know none of you are interested in that. Um, so, uh, but, but so I was thinking about um, sort of what, what I would say, and I was realizing, first of all, there's something that, that, that has been said a lot, but I want to I play it out in a slightly different way about relationships because I realized in the last few years, we have a, we have a group of 16 young people who come through our theater every year as fellows. They work in every department. We take very seriously the responsibility to train them in whatever is their chosen field. And in the last couple of years, we've started having this question that comes out of them when, when we say, what do you want to learn from us? And the question is always, how do you network? And, how, and we go, can, they, can we teach them how to network is the question. And I go, teach you how to network. We have, for the third year now, we've said to them, network is simply about building real relationships. Right. Networking has nothing to do with your Facebook page or your Twitter or anything. Network is about, well, networking is about actually making genuine contact. And when I and and then this year Laura asked me to come and speak to a group of of mid career directors who actually would like to be running theaters. And I and I I was I was realizing that when when we think about who is going to be directing in our theater, we think about people either people with whom we have a relationship, Mm -hmm. we think about people who may have a relationship with someone else with whom we're working, whether it's a playwright or an actor or, or, a, or, a, or, or an artist who brings an entirely, whatever whatever their, 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 their particular uh, um, e- e- way in with us is. But, but basically, we work with people with whom we have relationships or with whom artists with whom we're working have relationships. And so when you think about making community, when you think about making, making um um, uh, 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 making a place for yourself. I think about there are directors who come through our doors, who never step outside of the rehearsal hall, mm. and they think of themselves as being tourists in our home, as opposed to being people who are genuinely trying to make contact with with us as an entity. And us as an entity is however many people we are. That's right. And I think that the people who ultimately have the greatest capacity to, um, to, to work well with us, to work with us, to be members of our community are the people who are generous enough to be willing to open themselves up to us as, as, a, as a group of people with whom they can have a relationship. That's
5: right. And what,
1: is, what, is, what makes a producer attractive to a director what makes you want to take a job with a produ- when you're approached for for, you, for a freelance job or when you're what 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 is it that you look for in a producing organization or an individual
6: well i mean i think that obviously someone jeffrey's the first person to offer me to direct a shakespeare and somehow um, he didn't see that i had done it before you know It wasn't that I'd proven myself. Same with Schumacher at Disney, in a a strange way, but that they saw something and they wanted what I had, and they were going to help me get to that place. I think that it's not that you don't want a producer who wants you to do something that they want to do, but they want to help you do it through you and supporting that that vision that you might have or might not even know that you have but they sense it and that support and collaboration from the very beginning and sticking by that obviously is is very crucial that that it's a full outward commitment to where you want to go with the material and um it's it it means that it's very it's very hard i mean i've i've had both both worlds uh, but when I'm, when I'm um, saying yes to a producer or looking for someone to produce, it's to make sure that they're with you on the, on the journey right through to the end. And sometimes it doesn't happen that way. I mean, it also, in films as well, where, you know, you, you, you sort of say, well, this is what we're doing, and then somehow along the way, especially when projects take a long time in film, you know, they take years or in theater as well. So it's... Um, it's a complete understanding of the of of where you both want to go with the material. It's really the flip side of what you're saying, Susan. <laughs> it's yeah,
4: because it's not a it's not a good relationship otherwise. Yeah,
2: yeah, I mean, I want a producer who wants who wants to bring my collaborators. I, I mean, I, I who doesn't come at me with here's your slate of people you're going to be working with.
6: Yeah, yeah.
2: You know, so that I can. I also want a crew. smart producer y- yeah right It
6: mean, means someone who can engage with me on the ideas and and check them there's not there's absolutely no director that I know yes. who doesn't want someone there to play with the ideas and to be able to engage. I don't know any director That's who right. does not want that.
2: Who wants the, Who wants someone who come in with the hard questions? You're a
6: collaborator. Yeah. That's what you are as a director. Yeah. So therefore, you need to have a producer who's who's willing to go and ask That's and right. and really investigate it on on every level. I keep thinking about what you're saying. I you know I, I'm a solo director, so I don't. You all work with many directors. But I, and I think of, I, because I don't really think of myself as mid-career either. I'm a little bit old now. <laughs> but I, I think about the, that, you know, other people I know, like if there's a way that there could be that idea of dream projects, because I think there are a lot of directors who are very capable of moving and directing a show. But if institutions or places say, all right, we're going to have this slate of plays, we know we're doing that, it's, it's simpler, it's easier, it's, it, it helps with the money, but there is always a slot for a director to come and work for six months, a year, six months, go away, come back. I remember when I did Transposed Heads at this teeny-weeny little theater, Arc Theater off off broadway off off-off-off-off-off-Broadway, we spent about a month just improvising. We hadn't written the play yet. Then with those, we couldn't afford to keep the actors, so they, and also the union wouldn't, it was, a, it, was a, you know, it was a union issue here. But at that time, we were able to get away with saying, okay, you go away, now. now we're gonna write the play. But we had created the concepts through improvisation. Then we went, Sidney Goldfarb and I went off and worked on the script, and Elliot did the music, or, or, uh, yeah, I don't remember, because we did it so many different ways. But then we brought the actors back again. That's very hard to do in these structures, but it's the only way to develop a certain kind of play. So I keep thinking, if someone were to say, okay, you, you can just come and work you know if you have a film down the line or something but you could come and work and experiment for six months and we'll help you put together or not even six months let's say six weeks but whatever it is say to some of these directors who are hankering to try a different approach without the pressure and without the deadline and allow them to come and yes you said it's navel gazing but I don't think it is because there's a certain kind of theater that just can't get developed any other way Mm -hmm. and the the directors who we all admire out there in the world, the ones who get known and the ones yeah. only to do it that way. The Minochkins don't do it in six weeks of rehearsal, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. So that that kind of support I think is so essential to create keeping theater as a medium that has its own thing you know, that is special, that isn't like the other mediums. And I know as a, as a mid-career director, if someone said, okay, what is the production, what is the play? Or is there a writer you want? Or how, however you want to put it together, what's your dream idea? Because we have a certain slot here, and we're not going to think about when it's produced, but, you know, obviously every director wants to have their work produced. There's, no, there's nobody who just wants to go off and play around. They want to get there. Uh, but I think that that would be a way to get these directors who get tired and bored and, and they're not paid enough to travel around that they that actually get the juices going. Because it's, there's, if you're a director, you, are, are a, you like a playground and a play box and you like to have toys and people and lots of engagement and musicians. And you say, well, I would love to, to get this you know, uh, composer or this rock band or however, but you know You know that that that's not going to happen in six weeks. It's going to take development, and it may fail for a while, and then you have to part ways and start and go in another way. I think that is giving lifeblood to a director. It's giving them an opportunity to to really expand their horizons. It could be that you give directors grants to go off and see theater. You know, that's what I got when I graduated from Oberlin. I had a Watson Traveling Fellowship. And Peter Schumann from Bread and Puppet said, "Don't don't stay with one person. Go watch. You know, he said, the best way to get your ideas is is don't be a protege to one. Because I said, Peter, can I stay with you, Bread and Puppet? He said, No, you know enough about sculpting. You know, you've stayed. You've done one piece with me. Now go travel." I don't think anything was better for me than seeing theater in Japan and Indonesia and Europe and traveling. I think a director needs to expand their horizons. That is very important. They can't just be doing the play that comes. So for mid-career directors, they need to have some support and release so that they can reinvestigate, why am I doing this? Do I really? You know, if you've never done a musical, do a musical. If you've never done um, crossover film and theater, think about using this medium. Here, we're going to. What would you like to? We're going to get this theater artist from MIT or whatever. You know, however it might work, or a local. Start shoving the forms together, and that'll just make the director a better director, even in a very straight play mode.
3: We're saying the same thing. I was focusing on directors maybe 10 years younger. But basically to develop... Then me? Di- no, no Then mid-career. Then mid-career. Yeah, they're, they're, no, when you said
6: mid-career, I'm yeah. talking about all directors. Yeah, I don't care if are 22 true. or 18. Yeah. And yes. these, these kinds yeah. of
1: ideas aren't, I mean, there, there, are, there are sometimes for younger directors, there are opportunities, and we have our own through the foundations, but the mid-renewal or advancement of an aesthetic for mid-career directors is very difficult
6: I to think find. people, you know, everybody knows you have to be able to go back and start an experiment. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you feel like you get to a certain point and if you experiment and you fail, your, your career is over, that is a disaster. Death. That is death for an, for an artist, it's death. So there has to be a, a safe place where all of a sudden someone may just blossom and flower. It could be an extraordinary... I had no idea that, that dancers could help me discover the text of Macbeth. You know, let's just get rid of all the dialogue now. Now tell me the story. Oh, my God, I never, ever thought it could be that way. And that a director needs renewal, and, and it needs that kind of inspiration. I,
7: I don't know that directors, whether mid-career or whatever, uh, how interesting their vocabulary, how communicating what their vocabularies are, how interesting that is. So, for example, the thing about Julie, when I first started getting to know her, was that she was talking about Bali, and she was talking about non-verbal theater, and she was talking about this, and this, she had a vocabulary. Uh, I'm very interested in vocabularies. What are the vocabularies? You mentioned Simon McBurney. Well, that came from Lecoq. Mm-hmm. So, if you are talking to a young Simon McBurney, and you're talking, like you're, oh, Oh, I see. You know, you, 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 you want to know what the vocabulary is so that you can create the workshop, you can create the fusion, you can create the mashup. up but, you, but to go what you were saying, a director certainly should bring, here's my vocabulary, here, here, here's what I use to tell the story. If the director doesn't do that... I can't do what I do.
6: Yeah, but right. some directors need another time to be able to get vocabulary. Well, that, Or to explore vocabulary. About. To, but, to uh, go in a different direction. To, well,
7: that's something else, but, I'm, but, but, but then that's changed. But I'm still saying that where it starts, for me anyway, is I'm very interested in, and it's not one vocabulary, it's how are you going, what, what,
2: what's your interest here? Well, and the, I mean, what I don't you know, know if you guys know the, uh, I'm sure you do, the director, Rupert Gould. And his work, Um, and he's extraordinary because he works in five different vocabularies simultaneously, and also someone who works uh, repeatedly with the same company and develops his work in one location and then moves it other places. So I mean, you know, that's the that's part. I'm going to go back to to something Susie said, which is um, one of the best things uh, my mentor Dennis Zacek said to me when I was a young artist in Chicago was. once you get your foot in the door, what the fuck are you gonna do with your foot?
1: <laughs>
2: and part of the director's challenge, right, is to show your whole self. Because, you, because of these various vocabularies we can work in, because production skills stills don't tell you what my work is like, sure. I mean, that's just a shot. So that actually has no uh, sense of my process. You don't know if you even like me, right? Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, part of the, the um, one of the hurdles is getting to know people as people, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's, Susie, and you said this just a minute ago, Jeffrey, you were, you were entranced by Julie talking about Bali. Which, who knows what the hell that meant, except that you liked that person. Mm-hmm. So, there's, a, there's a, um, a way in which we sometimes think that our work is us. And that that is the only thing that we can show people when we can show ourselves.
5: Mm.
2: And that, that um, oh gosh, this is one of the struggles of career and living within a capitalist structure is that you have to think in terms of my work is me, but maybe me is me. I don't know. Just throw um, that out there. Well, we're, um,
1: I think... We've got about five minutes. I was going to say, that's kind of a lovely oh, note. Um, does any, any closing? I do think, Gil, we, we, we wandered, but there's, yeah. some, there's some gems in here. I mean, there are, you know, are, well, I think,
5: I I think actually the last. Uh,
1: Nobody's having this conversation no, 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 about no. directors. But, in, uh,
5: but, but the last 20 minutes has really been very helpful, both in terms of right. the issue of community, in terms of the issue of Julie's point about travel, in terms of self-education, self-knowledge. Uh, I remember, I, I just w- would make one point, when I moved to California, uh, I was offered a television uh, uh, movie. I'd, I'd been doing features in New York, it was a movie with Natalie Wood, and I didn't know whether to take it or not, because it was 1977, and uh, at that time people said, sort if of, you did television, uh, you know, you'd hurt your feature career, all that bullshit, and, and so uh, I uh, met with Robert Aldrich who was a wonderful director and uh, who had been here a long time and I told him of my issue and I asked for his advice and he thought for a second he said, you know I never met a director who got better not working and, and that just stuck with me uh, and, and, and I, I, I don't think he meant not working in terms of doing the television show pardon me? I never met a director who got better not working and, and, and I, I don't think he meant uh, necessarily working doing the television show. I think he meant not working in the context, yes, of doing the television show, yes, of traveling, yes, of discovering who yourself is, yes, of trying to make a community, in terms of stopping that that, that life force that a director needs in order to exist. Jeffrey. Um,
7: uh I like very much what Julie said about special. To me, that word is inspiring. Um, to, act, to create f- theaters, directors need to know or should know or probably do know that theaters want them to be inspired and to be inspired by them. I, that's the first thing. Second of all, I re- like it very much when a director tells me no, who challenges me, mm-hmm. says that's not going to be good. No, this is what I want to do. Directors have, have a great... Capacity to do that. The the third is the the third is we haven't said this word yet, the politics. I'm really interested in the politics of a director. You know, what is the politics that director has? And connected to that is what is the world view that director has. It's not I mean, man, what are plays? Plays about how we live and how we die, and so you want to know where a director links into that. So uh, uh, I really look forward to challenging conversations with directors and, and, and trying to, uh, and, and as Julie was saying, and she's absolutely right, how do you make it special for that director? Um, if you can, you produce something fantastic. And who doesn't want to do that?
5: <laughs> <laughs> well said.
1: Well, this is hopefully the beginning of a conversation. I I don't think right now in the field, whatever that may be, we've been talking much about the director and particularly these different stages and what kind of support and renewal um, directors need to find for themselves but also can be provided um, by all of us. So I I appreciate you all helping to at least crack it open, Um, and I do think it's just a beginning. So thank you all.
0: Thank you for listening to SDCF Masters of the Stage. This program was made possible by support from Stage Directors and Choreographers Society, the National Labor Union celebrating five decades representing the needs and aspirations of its members, and generous funding from the NEA, the New York State Council on the Arts, and the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council.